You are listening to Holy Heresy, a podcast that looks for the questions found at the intersection of spirituality, justice, and the arts. Holy Heresy is brought to you by the First Congregational Church of Los Angeles. Good morning, and welcome to First Congregational Church of Los Angeles. Your presence in this shared space enriches the beautiful tapestry of our community. Here we are all welcome, wherever we are on the journey, and free to be who we are, to love who we love, and to explore our faith and beliefs at our own pace. Today we continue our fall series in Evolving God, in Evolving World, and Evolving Purpose, as Reverend Laura invites us to consider our place in this evolving world. To our great delight, my husband and I were at one of our favorite places recently. Maine is special for both of us, and for one short week, we stayed in the new home of some of our very dear friends. The setting for the house they have built is one of great beauty. Their home was designed to take in as much of the breathtaking coastal view as possible. Our room in the house faced east, and on the first morning we were there, even with the three-hour time difference, I awoke to the sunrise breaking on the Atlantic Ocean. The horizon was brilliant, and to experience this view through the beautiful trees with the moss at their base and their leaves beginning to change colors created a moment filled with goodness and grace and, yes, with awe. I remember thinking that first morning, this is so beautiful, I should wake my husband up so he could see this beauty. But I was too tired. So I watched for a few moments and then, satisfied, I closed my eyes and slept contentedly for another hour or maybe two. Thomas Berry's words from our reading this morning remind us that the absence of awe, or as he likes to call it, a sense of the sacred, is the basic flaw in our efforts to ecologically adjust our human presence to the natural world. Berry was one of the 20th century's most prescient and profound thinkers. He was a priest and a cultural historian who sought to expand our horizons and help us find a broader perspective on humanity's relationship to the earth. He called himself a geologian, a title he created as he began to integrate theology with the history of the earth and evolution. The purpose of his work and his life was to awaken us and help us to respond to everything that is happening, ecologically and socially, all the challenges of our times. In an evolving world, the one we live in now, with political and religious fundamentalism, our current state of affairs, it is becoming a challenge to find our way forward. And our modern methods seem ill-equipped to help us resolve any of it. 
So where do we turn to find our place and our purpose in this evolving world, in this evolving universe? People have looked to the skies for millennia. The indigenous people of all lands held the universe in such high regard. The earth was their foundation, the stars their future. They revered the seasons, the passage of time, the ways of the wind, the water, the sun, and the moon. They respected the animals, the creatures of the waters, and all other forms of life. They understood their interconnectedness with all living things. And they saw the universe, the world, and themselves as holy and sacred. The earth has not forgotten the sacredness of this past. It is waiting for us to now save the earth. At times, it all seems too much. It is overwhelming. And the debate over whether we have gone past the point of no return inhabits our nights and threatens to emerge and overflow into our days. It is the undercurrent of life, and we wonder if there is anything we really can do. Sister Joan, our companion on this journey, asserts that as organized religion dims, psychology and philosophy confront us with the challenges of life. They push us to put in the effort for whatever it takes to become the best of ourselves. And from this, she says, the reward of the soul comes with discovering more is less and time is growth and accepting the startling awareness that we are not at the end of creation. Rather, we are at its beginning. What can we do to inhabit this place she speaks of? Her first suggestion is that we let go of our old views of God. Reverend Michael talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Then, she says, we can begin to imagine a God so great, whose presence is so overwhelming, that nothing we know of here can possibly describe it. She reminds us, nothing explains this life beyond life. Nothing defines it, try as hard as we dare, yet everything draws us toward it. Now, absorbing that requires a deep breath, doesn't it? That's a lot. Sister Joan cautions that we must be careful to not make ourselves the God of our own world. It is easy to worship the God of our own making, she says. Money, power, prestige, approval, things and things and more things. She says most of us insist that we will not worship anything we cannot see, and, and so instead we worship all the things we do see with all their limitations and all the limiting they do to the expanse of our souls. She calls this a sorry sight. When this happens, our innate human dignity is in danger. 
No one has ever taught us about inalienable dignity and helped us to understand if there is a God, is not God more than they could ever see. We've talked often about the ways in which we put God into small boxes. Small box just doesn't work anymore. So can we imagine what it is to understand that we are stardust, that we are a glow anywhere and everywhere, and that it is possible to know that we are not alone? I feel like the words that she speaks are directly for First Church when she says, to watch a painter paint and a musician play a symphony of their own and a poet capture in 200 words the meaning of all life and a writer break open beauty and reasoning and possibility and meaning and throw it in the night sky, a blessing wherever it falls, is to know that we are the words of God. And when Sister Joan decides to get to the point, which sometimes it takes her a long time to get there, she writes, God indeed is a major theological problem, a major question, but God is also a major answer as well. Otherwise, she says, we would be left with no answer but ourselves, and what a pity that would be. Sister Joan, at the end of one of her chapters, tells a story from the Sufis, a story she says is more penetrating than science, more profound than any religious instruction. A Sufi, on the way to the mosque for the feast day, had walked for days on in the sand and in the heat. Then, with the minarets in view and the sun streaming down on the dome, he said to himself, I have to rest a while, and sank to the ground. He was hardly asleep until he felt a hard hand and a sharp tongue. The pilgrim over him was flailing his arms and shaking his head in disgust. What is the matter with you, he screamed at the Sufi. What kind of Sufi are you, lying on the ground with your feet pointed at the holy place? Get up immediately. The Sufi smiled a bit then opened one eye. Good sir, he said, I am grateful for your care and concern. Now, if you would be so good, could you turn my feet to where they would not be pointing to God? Then she simply says, If at the end of my life I go with God, knowing God and I are going together. I will know that God has indeed forever been with me, guiding me, holding me up, calling me on. The presence of God is my theology now, not the niceties of religious prescription. What else is there, in fact? One of my new favorite places is the universe. While I have always loved the night sky, 
the James Webb Telescope is allowing me to inhabit the universe in ways we could only have dreamed of before. Thomas Berry believed always and everywhere it is the universe that holds all things together, and the universe is the primary activating power in every activity. In this ever-changing, evolving world, the universe calls us to go forward and remember that which we truly love. Thomas Berry said, We will not save what we do not love. It is also true that we will neither love nor save what we do not experience as sacred. Wherever you are in the world today, just before sunset, look to the horizon for the moon. It's a special moon today, October 9th. It is a moon that has been with us from the beginning and will be with us for all time. And then, in the days to come, remember and repeat Thomas Berry's words as our shared mantra. The present is not a time for desperation, but it is a time for hopeful activity. May it ever be so. Amen. If you enjoyed what you heard, you can join us for service each Sunday morning in person or on YouTube, or consider supporting First Church by making a tax-deductible gift at fccla.org give.